Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This is the High Hopes Podcast. High Hopes! It's a bunch of baseball nerds talking about the Phillies on Odyssey in Sports Radio 94 WIP. Well, that is an official. Uh, I don't know what is. Welcome on in. It is, uh, it's a solo edition of the High Hopes Podcast because uh, James Seltzer. He's dealing with a little bit of a, a sickness, so uh, I, I mean, it's physically impossible for me to see the boys, you know, down at spring training. Um, you know, you're starting to see mitts popping, pitchers and catchers reporting, big signings, including David Buchanan and, and Spencer Turnbull, um, and, and just not, like, I wanted to do a podcast Friday night, you know, like, I've been ready to do a podcast for, for about a week now, so... Excited to do this. Um, if you missed the, the little tease on Twitter, um, get your questions in for the, uh, the YouTube mailbag and I'll go through and, um, you know, Tucker producing the program tonight. He will bring up what he thinks are, are the best ones. So, uh, I appreciate everyone hanging out. Um, you know, obviously the highest podcast as always presented by Miller Light. Uh, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and let's download this thing. Cause the fills are back. The fills are back. And, um, it's been, uh, a sort of a slow, boring ass winter, but it's just, it's so, and how last year ended. I was kind of thinking about this year and, you know, I, I don't know if it comes through as very apparent, but, I defend the Phillies a lot and I get, I get very protective of the Phillies. And, you know, I, I felt like when they lost game six and seven to the Diamondbacks, it was like, great. Now they're going to have the, the, you got to get to the World Series or this whole thing's, uh, uh, this whole thing's a waste of time. Like kind of where the fan base is at. I remember early 2000s, same thing with the Eagles. It was like, get to the World Series or get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. Or bust. Um, you know, we're kind of there with the Sixers right now. I think we got there, uh, in 11 with the Phillies when they, when they compiled that team. And it was a lot of just like super, super, super high expectations. And, and listen, expectations are good. They'd rather have expectations than, than no expectations. Um, but my natural, 
uh, instinct, I guess, is to always protect them. And the nice part about this week and 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 kind of just talking to people both on the air on twitter is it, it just seems like there's a general excitement to have the phillies back it's no it's not like eh, who cares these guys are in camp they lost game six and seven which i think is just a, a really annoying portion of the fan base like sure there, there's gonna be that but it feels like people are just genuinely excited to have to have them back and and the nice part about this team is that like obviously the connection between 07 to 11 is something that is it's really hard to replicate. Like it's you had all-time players, you had some Hall of Famers, some close to Hall of Famers, guys that we grew up with um and the connection there was was special. But I think that this team given what they've done the last two postseasons has gotten to the point where it's like uh, like it, it, they kind of just put a smile on your face and you, you see them back and, and going through workouts again and they put on the awful fanatics jerseys which is just like how is this so bad like what how did it go from something so simple to something so bad like there's they look like like replica jerseys they don't look like major league baseball jerseys it's atrocious and i know that's a consensus take but it's just it's so bad. It's so bad. Um, but it feels like there's a, a genuine excitement. And I was, I was wondering what the buzz was going to be heading into spring training because I, I, they didn't really make any major moves. That's disappointing. I, I mean, I, I, I am in, in two camps, like one camp, very, very excited. They're back and, and can't wait for the first spring training game. Can't wait for all that stuff. I and mean, we're like less than we're about like 10 days away. No, we're like, like 17 days away from the whatever late February is the first spring training game. Um, and, and I can't wait on the other hand, like, yeah, I, I would have liked a bigger move. Now they do have a, a chance here to make a bigger move. And, you know, there's been some stuff out there that the Phillies will sign one of these guys. If they're willing to take a, a one or two year deal, you know, the Jordan Montgomery's of the world, I, I think I'm in the camp of Jordan Montgomery over Blake Snell, just in the standpoint of wouldn't have to give up a draft pick. Um, but, you know, like the Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell, the Bellinger thing still feels like a, a, a bit of a reach. Uh, I'm sure there's some, some mailbag questions about that. Um, but still, you know, I think that there's, there's one, there's, I think there's two moves that they have left. I think they'll make a move for a reliever and I think they'll make a move for a bench bat. You know, or or a guy that can that can possibly start. Um, but either way, it was uh, it's good to see the boys back. It's good to see a lot of smiles in camp. It's good hearing Rob Thompson talk again. You know, I I think a baseball manager is so different than almost any other sport because it's such a long season, and I feel like you have to have a certain demeanor. And you got to kind of be quick witted. Um, and it's not like a football coach where it's a lot of rah rah, um, or a basketball coach is kind of rah rah. It's like, we're here, we're going to do our thing. And, but he has a quiet confidence about Rob Thompson, which I always appreciate. I feel like Rob Thompson exudes a lot of confidence. So, um, it's a solo high hopes, uh, as we wait for Seltzer to get back. I feel like, you know, the last one I did of these was, the Aiden Miller reaction podcast before, before that, I'm pretty sure the last time I did a solo high hopes was, I think it might've been after the NOLA start against the Red Sox. And I just had to talk about it. And I, I believe the comp that night 
and if you are like a, a throwback high hopes listener, like we had some pretty crazy comps back in the day. Like some just didn't age well. But listen, we were bold and we were happy and we just loved talking about the Phils. But I believe I compared Aaron Nola to, to Pedro Martinez. Maybe not, but still a very good pitcher and uh, is going to be a Philly for life. So I'm excited to get into it again, get your questions in, and, and Tucker will go through and he will find the best ones. But I want to go through some of the biggest spring training stuff that has happened so far. Um, yesterday, Wheeler talked contract extension and... I mean, made it very clear he wants to be here and talked about, like, he doesn't need to, to break the bank, but, you know, wants to be paid market value, and that that's perfectly fine. Been some stuff floating around about $40 million a year he's asking for. Kind of feels like, kind of feels like we are, um, like, the, the two sides are, are, are clear. We know how the Phillies operate. The Phillies are, will spread it out, so I wouldn't be surprised if, they're trying to go like five, six years, frankly. I know that might be like sticker shock because he's a 34-year-old pitcher. He's going to be 34 in the season. But I wouldn't be surprised if they're thinking more five, six years down the line, maybe $30 million a year. Trying to, and I think I think $30 million is the, the absolute lowest they would go. Um, but we know how they like to operate, so you spread that out. Or what Wheeler's probably looking for, Maybe three years at forty million dollar AAV, and try to you know have the most amount of money possible for the next three years. So I assume that they're probably going to just meet in the middle, and maybe it's like a a four year year four year deal where it's like thirty five million per year, and both kind of get what they want. Um, but like I'm just. It's weird because I feel like I got this way with Nola, and it was a mistake on my part where I was like, ah, they'll get it done. They're not going to let Aaron Nola hit free agency. Like, not worried at all. They, they seem like they're on very good terms. It's not like it's getting nasty. Stuff's being leaked to the public. And the Phillies ended up not signing him before the season. He actually hit free agency. So I'm trying not to get get trapped in that way again. But I just, I, I it's been too positive for me to to think anything else then they're going to get it done they they said they're working they they representatives from, from both teams i guess both sides are, are have started dialogue on a extension so i just i don't i don't really have my antennas super super high on it the Aaron Nola thing last year is definitely um you know make me worry not worry about it but it's making me think about it a little bit so um but it, very good stuff from Zach Wheeler. And I know when we talk about paying pitchers and we talk about, oh, my God, well, they're going to pay a guy until he's 37, 38 years old. And that could be kind of jarring. We have talked a good amount on this podcast throughout the, the offseason where, yeah, I get it. But, like, Wheeler seems like he has one of those arms that does age well. You know, for every DeGrom to where it doesn't seem like he can stay healthy or you see these guys like Felix Hernandez or whoever go from like 98 to 93 in a in the blink of an eye, all of a sudden they're just, they're, they're basically out of the league and they're only just pitching, like I remember uh, Jared Weaver, dude. There was no one easier to bet against in the world than Jared Weaver towards the end. Like it just, it, it just completely fell off. Um, but Wheeler, I think he just reminds me more of the, I'm not saying he's as good as these guys, but he's up there, 
of the Verlander Scherzer arms where, sure, the velocity might be down to 95, but still has the giddy up, can still get it past guys. It's still a, so like a, a great out last year. is one of the best fastballs in the sport, and he was losing velocity on it. So, um, sure, we had those weird – remember that, that stretch where he pitched against the Nationals like two times in a month? And for some reason, they just ripped them. Like there was, there was more of that last year than you know. I think in years prior, but when it came down to it, I mean, he was unbelievable in the postseason. He was, he's ridiculous in the postseason. And for as much as I think we rightfully so romanticize, obviously Hamilton 08. We won't talk about 09, uh, 10, 11, and 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 Halliday, unbelievable. We know that. Like what? And we, Cliff Lee, of course, in 09, but you know, eleven kind of taints it a little bit. Um, but what, what Wheeler's done the last two postseasons is right up with up there with those guys, and I feel like those guys generate so much more buzz. Either way, um, yeah, Zach Wheeler extension, not too worried about it, um, but definitely something to monitor. Uh, Marsh, out of nowhere, all of a sudden, it's like, well, he needs knee surgery. It's like, well, I don't know why we had to wait until now. He said he. He said he might have heard it against the Reds last year. Could we have gotten that done, I don't know, like after the season? But he hopes to make opening day. He says he's going to make opening day. That's fine. My only concern there is is that the amount of bats at bats that he has leading up to that, is he in uh, like minor league camps? Is, is, does he make the end of spring training? Of course, the, the part of my brain – the little Negadelphian is like, oh, great. So he's going to get off to a slow start because he's not going to see any any live pitching. This makes me feel like they need to go get, uh, and I think they will, but another bat. And I know I'm sure there's there's mailbag questions about it, but like Whit Merrifield is someone who does make a ton of sense. It looks like he's going to make a decision this weekend. I I wonder how much he's concerned about playing time versus trying to get a ring. Apparently, there's like five teams involved, I believe, was the Morosi report. So we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens with Merrifield. I, I think he would be a, a really solid addition. You're not getting the Whit Merrifield of a couple of years ago. He was still an all star last year, which I just, I was surprised when I like looked at his baseball reference. I was like, hold on. Whit Merrifield was an all-star. You're not getting the same player that was out in Kansas City, but you're getting a good player. You're, you're, you're getting the maxed out kind of kingery. Um, and the nice part, he can play infield if needed. He could play center field if needed. So let's say Marsh comes back. He's fine. You can play him in center field if, if Rojas struggles. Uh, I, I'm all fine with Rojas going out there starting game, uh, game one, opening day and, and letting him, giving him runway. We don't need to pull the plug two weeks in, but we've talked about, you know, they tried this a couple of years ago. With the Hazley, Moniak, Muziati, like that, the, that level of center field. Now, Rojas will always provide value with the glove because the glove is special. But, 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 can he hit enough? And that's always going to be the question with Johan Rojas. We can survive at 220, 230, can't survive at 150. Like, that's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's essentially a pitcher batting knife, which bring it back. But, um, um, but I, I think the marsh, the marsh injury, the possibility of maybe missing opening day or at least starting slow, not needing to like run him into the ground fresh off a knee surgery. Go get a bat. Go get a bat. Merrifield makes sense. Can play left. Can play center. Can be a platoon bat. Can play infield. Good. Kike Hernandez also comes to mind there. 
this guy still is out there. I don't know how good he is anymore. It's probably a minor league deal, but like Marwin Gonzalez can technically play like every single position in the field. Can't hit anymore, but um, Marwin Gonzalez, Kike, uh, Merrifield. I think a straight outfielder. I mean, do, does, do I really need to mention who I think they should sign? Yes, I think they should sign Adam Duvall, but we don't need to go back in and, and relitigate the Adam Duvall conversation. Um, but yeah, that, that's something to monitor with the Marsh situation and, and hopefully everything goes good. He's good for opening day and go out there and be Brandon Marsh because, you know, I guess the, the, the jump that he took last year hitting was, was really exciting. Um, and I want to see if he can hit lefties. There's some, I was watching him, uh, in the cage, I guess two weeks ago facing a lefty guy. So. Clearly, something he worked on, and they have a chance to have a really, really solid outfielder with him and uh, him and Johan Rojas. Um, great to see Charlie at camp. You know, I, it's I'm so happy. Like, like I remember when I got the or I saw the tweets about him having the stroke. It was like, Are you, like we can't lose, we can't lose Charlie. Um, so, like, and of course, I think Alex Coffey tweeted him like right behind the batting cage. It's like that's my guy. It's it's good to see. He's he's fine. He's he's doing better. Um and he's right back at, behind a batting cage. I will I wouldn't expect him anywhere else. Uh and then two quick things here before we get to uh the mailbag. How about David Buchanan? Like I, the the funny I it's just like I remember David Buchanan. Like I feel like I one of the few people that like remember vividly the David Buchanan run where it was like, oh, this guy is like semi decent. Hey, knows how to pitch. <laughs> like, well, pitches backwards. Who cares if it's ninety to ninety one? Now he's the oldest player in Phillies camp. Like this is just it's sickening. It's absolutely sickening how fast time flies. David Buchanan is the oldest player in Phillies camp. The the notification that they had re-signed him, I, I swore it was a bit. I really did. Um, obviously, he was pitching over in Korea for the last couple of years. Pitched like a three ERA, um, which is obviously pretty good. I think last year it was down in the two fives. Um, you know, he was like really fired up. I watched like a quick clip of him. He's like, Ellis, and I'm here to win. I'm here to win. I was like, all right. I appreciate it. I don't know if we're relying on, on David Buchanan to help put us over the top, but, um, listen, I, we'll see. I'm excited to see what he looks like. I hope there's a, a bit of a velo uptick. I'm sure there is. Um, you know, things have changed a lot since 2015 and it's just hilarious looking at the, like the last, lineup that he was a part of i think like all was in it and kratz was in it and michael and rough and just some names man like we we've been through the doldrums here we've been through the doldrums of like the 20 like 2012 2013 like i always sort of forget michael young was a philly um you know where they were hanging on even like i i remember and i i'm ashamed to admit it but I was so excited that they that they signed AJ Burnett in like the in 2014. It's like, oh sweet, AJ Burnett loved him like a decade ago, and yes, he ate the Phillies lunch in the 09 World Series. But um, David Buchanan's back in camp, and um, he's the oldest player in Phillies camp at 34 years old. I mean, at least bring back some kind of grizzled veteran. 34 can't be the oldest player in camp. That's it's as simple as that. Cannot be the oldest player in camp. And the second one, yes, I could have done at least forty-five minutes on on Spencer Turnbull, but we will we will keep it semi-short and sweet. Uh, I'm very excited about Spencer Turnbull, and yes, you don't have to tell me, you don't have to like 
show me his his baseball reference from last year. I'm aware. I I, I got it. I understand he was not good last year, but I think it takes a little while for guys off of Tommy John to be, like, I think everyone reacts to Tommy John differently. Like some pitchers come back like Verlander <laughs> who come back and win the Cy Young and like Tommy John comes back and they are throwing harder than ever, you know, because that's all the, the kind of work that you put in on your arm. Like that's what happens sometimes with Tommy John. Some guys react differently and could Spencer Turnbull be not good at all. Of course he could not be good at all. But I'm just it's it's the right kind of upside signing to where he can help you out of the back end, you know. Um he can obviously make some spot starts. He has an option, so he's gonna start the year at triple A. And the upside is is like legit upside. There's not no upside here. Now last year, the biggest thing he's gonna have to get back is obviously his velocity. I mean his velocity was like ninety three last year. Um, you know, a couple of the the, the clips that I was watching. Prime Spencer Turnbull, which is a, a f- kind of a funny sentence to say, but Prime Spencer Turnbull was like 97 with two seam run, and he was just kind of figuring it out the last two years. I remember the first time I saw Spencer Turnbull was in a Philly spring training game, and I was like, oh, I've never heard of this guy that should do pretty well against him. And then he's like throwing 96 mile an hour two seamers with like a hammer slider curveball combo. Like, and I was like, okay, well, this guy's obviously could be something. Um, I think that was the year he pitched to the three nine and then he he had two ADRA, uh, before he got hurt in 11 starts in 21 before needing Tommy John. I, I just, it's a, it's a, it's the kind of signing that I think has a chance to really, really pay off. You're not spending any money. He has a minor league option, so you're not like kicking Christopher Sanchez out of the rotation. You have him in AAA. If if his stuff is back and he's healthy, and I also like that the Phillies did bring in uh, the former Tigers like head scout or someone in the Tigers organization. Um, I believe last off season to where I, I feel like he has a pretty good gauge on who from the Tigers matter versus who doesn't. And the Tigers are, are not exactly the, the smartest organization when it comes to knowing how to develop pitchers or knowing how to get the most out of pitchers. So um, the Spencer Turnbull thing, you go from the Tigers, who I think are deficient when it comes to developing pitchers, to the Phillies, which have kind of turned into a bit of a lab here the last couple of years and in, in getting the most out of guys. And there's, there's legitimate upside there. There's legitimate upside. So I can't wait for, for spring training to start to, to watch from Spencer Turnbull. Um, and I'm excited to see if that velocity is back up. Cause if it's 96, it's 97, we might have something. We might have something. And, and that's exciting. So, um, I'm sure we'll get more into all of this with Seltzer when he gets back. I'm sure. He's going to have to hear me drone on and on about Spencer Turnbull. Uh, I think last year his, his slider, uh, like whiff percentage jumped from 13% in 21 to 18, 19% in, in, in last year. So there's some things he has to iron out. But I also think that you have a good amount of rust coming off of Tommy John. Traditionally, command is, is like the last thing to come back. And, like last year, he I, th- I think he walked a career high in guys. So um, there will be more Spencer Turnbull breakdowns, and um, I-, I can't wait to, to to see him out there and see if he has some some juice left. Because if he does, I, I really really think they got to see. Him. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Tucker, it's time. Let's uh, let's go through some of the YouTube comments or uh, mailbag questions, and uh, let's get into this thing. All right, Harry Walker, talk about the cleanup spot. Everybody wants to, to talk about leadoff, but Boehm killed them in that spot. So... The, the cleanup spot is very interesting um, because the so Rob Thompson said that he hasn't decided on his lineup yet, um, and I wonder if there's an internal conversation about Schwarber and where he feels most comfortable um, versus maybe a more traditional guy like Stott up there, and I think no matter what. No matter what, it should be a lefty batting one. Um, you know, so whether it's Schwarber, whether it's Stott, I want one of those guys batting one and and Turner to bat two. I think he's a really good two hitter. And enough of the Harper batting cleanup thing. Like I, I want Harper batting third. I would like him batting in the first inning. I think that'd be beneficial. Um, and I, and I know that people soured on Bohm through the, the the Diamondback series. It's just, I don't know who else you put there. You know, you could put Castellanos there if he's hot, but there's a lot of swing and miss that we've, you know, discussed at, at nauseum. Um, you could put JT there, but like, is JT a cleanup hitter? You know, I, I, I think in the, in the playoffs, he was really good. You know, I think you can make the argument it was like their third best offensive player throughout the, the entire postseason. Like, just turned his game completely up. Once, once the postseason started. Um, but I would be fine keeping Bohm there from the standpoint of I wish he could hit more home runs, and I get it. But I think what Bohm does well in that spot, where if you have guys in, in front of him, I still trust him in RBI spots, and I don't think he's going to strike out that much. So Cassianos, like power-wise and, and RBI, sure, but there's, there is strikeout there. I think Bohm... Runners on runner on third, runner on second, less than two outs. I, I just trust him to get that guy home, um, and I'm 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 interested to see what this year Alec Baum uh, is going to be like because last year the whole thing was I always put on like 25 pounds or 20 pounds whatever. Here comes the power surge, and there was a power surge. It was 20 home runs. Can we get to to 25? Is he still ironing out how to swing? Was he focused so much on defense? That maybe the the power will come this year. I don't know, um, but he's a 
good professional hitter. And and I'm keeping I'm keeping him at the four spot. And and if that's the the lineup on opening day, you go Schwarber, Schwarber, Turner, Harper, Bohm, or Stott, Turner, Harper, Bohm, Schwarber. Not bad. So I'm keeping Bohm at the four spot. What's next? Jack, some rumors floating around about McKinley Moore being a trade candidate. What's his value, and who's the mo- most realistic person to bring in a, a, a platoon, left bench? And yeah, um, by the way, just nailed reading that. Could not have nailed that that anymore. That's from Jamie Har. Uh, the McKinley Moore trade candidacy is is pure high hopes. You know that's that's why I love this podcast. So McKinley Moore is interesting. I mean, he there's probably like no value for McKinley Moore, and it's such a shame too because. In spring training of last year, I was like, wow, this guy kind of popped. And they brought him up for like one outing, and it was just not good at all. You know, like just all the kind of pop that you saw from his stuff in, in spring training, like the fastball, like 97, 98. Like it was time to like 94. Um, so they gave it a shot. Didn't work. Um, if they lose him, they lose him. It's not going to keep me up at night. They've got enough guys coming through now with some legitimate power stuff. I'm excited to see what Ryan Burr has, you know, of all the like random free agent bullpen options they've signed that could be the next Jeff Hoffman. By the way, change his number to 23, which is a big development because, um, obviously that's, that's Michael Jordan's number. I will say though, I will say Jeff Hoffman going to 23, that was the number when he wasn't very good. Should he have just stuck with the number that had him as one of the most dominant uh, right-handed relievers in the sport? Maybe we should have kept that. Um, as for the right-handed bench bat, I mean, there's Duvall. If you just want an outfielder that will play good defense, can fill him in center field and hit the home run. Merrifield, if – again, with Merrifield, it's just going to be interesting. Is he going to be guaranteed more playing time elsewhere? Is he going to want a starting spot? Like I still, in, a, in an ideal world, want an opening day where Rojas is in center and Marsh is in left. Now the nice part about Merrifield is, you know, if you want to go lefty, you don't want to face Marsh against lefties, you can put Merrifield in there, it's fine. Or Rojas struggling for a little bit, there's Merrifield. So I think he would still play a good amount. I don't think Whit Merrifield's coming here to play 40 games. Um, but I just wonder if he's looking for a more defined role. But man, I, I think it would be a really solid signing at this point. What's next? AJ Klein, with the Wheeler extension appearing imminent, how do you expect this fastball to age? Do you think Wheeler is the type of pitcher who can, who can still be effective, even if he tops that 93-94? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously I would like it to be more 95-96, but I think he learned how to pitch there at this point. And it's such a heavy fastball that I, even at 93-94, it's getting in on your hands. And it's like a bowling ball to where – it's just so rare we see his fastball get squared up and hit for hard contact. Like it's still like the, the there was times last year where he'd be 94, 95. And was it as dominant in the regular season? No, but when it got to the biggest games, he was fine. So like I, I, the biggest thing, one of the biggest things I learned last year, because you know, a little life advice, it's always important to keep learning. You know, just keep learning and growing and evolving. Um, but, you know, one of the things I learned last year was don't freak out too much about the velocity. You know, it's still heavy. It's still pretty good. It's like 85%, 80% of full Zach Wheeler. But when it gets to the postseason, he he turns it up a notch. And I think we're 
we're we're done with the days of 98, 99, 100 mile an hour Zach Wheeler. But it's so easy. It's 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 free. It's there's not a lot of um, exertion to get it to ninety six, ninety seven. Um, to where I I think it's gonna age fine because it sounds weird, but he's not putting a ton of stress on his arm. Like he he his off speed stuff I don't think are killing his arm. You know, like it's more that fastball. He rides that thing, and if guys square it up, they square it up. But he trusts that pitch. Um, you know, some guys they have to just like over, um, you know, try to hammer down a curveball, and it, it kills their arms. But everything Wheeler does on the mound is free and easy, and it's easy, and it's relatively stress-free, and he's just blessed with one of those arms. So I said it earlier, but I think he has a Scherzer, a a Verlander, that kind of arm more than the arm is going to die, and we we have to we can't extend him. I, I think it's going to be one of those fastballs that that ages pretty well. Um, and sure, Scherzer's breaking down right now, and it's not the same pitcher. But <laughs> even at 39, 40, still pretty good. Um, so it's, I, I'm not that worried about Zach Wheeler's stuff. And until he shows me in the postseason that it's really that big of a hindrance, I'm going to keep trusting him. What's next? From William Carroll. Will Johan Rojas have a better offensive career than Roman Quinn? They sport an identical ex-Woba and historically both have trouble staying healthy. Quinn actually has better minor league numbers. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's a shame about Roman Quinn because there was something there. And I legitimately just think he was too fast. I think he was too fast for his body. And and he just he could not stay healthy. I mean, Rojas hasn't really shown that. You know, Rojas is fast, but I feel like he's built for it. Whereas, like, Roman was so fast that, like, he was, again, I think he was too fast for his body. You want Rojas, and, and apparently all the stuff, he's, he's just, he's bulked up down there, which is exciting to see. Can't wait. I mean, uh, like, I have questions. I think my biggest question about Johan Rojas is pitch recognition. And I think he got really exposed from that standpoint in, in the postseason where, Teams, I felt like just started slidering him to death, and and he was starting to get a little jumpy. But we also have to remember, I mean, the guy was the minor league hitter of the year last year. He was in Double A. He made the jump from Double A to starting on a team that was one win away from the World Series. And yeah, it wasn't great in the postseason when it came to the to the bat. Um, but if you bulk up, you, you you find a way to make the swing a little bit more powerful. I thought it was a little bit flat. Um, at, at times last year, apparently Kevin Long's just been working almost day and night with him. Seems seems prone or seems like willing to be all in on on putting in the work to 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 figure it out at the plate. Because like we talked about earlier, I mean the defense is is generational. I've never again we've been plagued here like ever since Shane. We didn't really have very good defensive center fielders. And yeah, we went through like five years of Oduble. And Christian Pache was, was really a revelation when he first came up. Um, but he couldn't really stay healthy, which is a shame. I'm curious to see what he looks like this year. Maybe they just think he could be the right-handed bench bat, um, or outfield bat. Um, but like, 
we just haven't seen the Johan Rojas's of the world here very often. You know, I mean, the older older heads will be like, well, obviously, like Schmidt. We we get it. Schmidt's unbelievable. But like, you know, Rico Bronia was an unbelievable uh, defensive player. Freddie Galvis was unbelievable. J. Roll, Roland, um, and it's just like Johan Rojas is for my lifetime the best. Now I know people will say Gary Maddox, and I I, I appreciate that. I never saw Gary Maddox, but. Um, this guy is, is special, special defensively. So, um, I don't really see the injury concerns. Um, Pache seems more injury prone than, than, than Johan Rojas, but, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do this year. And if he can just stabilize that spot to where they don't have to go rush and get a center fielder in the trade market and they can just play him and, and let him go and he can hit just enough. Because the defense is is that special. Um, They they have something there. And hopefully the back can come. What's next? McCable could be up this year, Ducky. Um, You know, uh, we had Preston Mattingly on couple months ago and he you know acknowledged some of the struggles that that Mick Abel had last year and the reality is he's he's still kind of growing into his body he's 21 um you know he he's still in the development stage and and for every Andrew Painter prospect and it sucks that that he's hurt for every Andrew Painter prospect which is like not once in a lifetime, but you know what I mean. Like that's that's you know kind of special. There are times where, where players take a little bit longer to develop. Um, you know, I think maybe the, the new balls in AAA weren't exactly the the best for him, but you know he's super talented. The stuff is still there. I think he was working through transitioning from you know being slider heavy um, to to finding more of a curveball. Maybe that kind of threw him off. Still working on a changeup. Um, definitely not as much as like a, a his prospect status has probably fallen from a couple years ago. Definitely has fallen from a couple years ago. Um, but in a perfect world, in a perfect world, him, Griff, if he, if he can get Griff back on track, him, Griff, Turnbull, and I guess, and I guess David Buchanan, you know, they're all kind of in the mix. Hopefully, they're all at. I don't know, triple A up at Lehigh. I would like to see both Griff and Mick start there. And, you know, maybe they can be in the mix if, if one of these guys go down, but he could be ready this year. They've been prone to, to fast track some of these guys. Um, you know, it's so funny because whenever you talk prospects on, on Twitter or anywhere else, you know, you get the classic person that's like, ah, I feel like there's a wait till he's 25 to bring him up. That's what they always do. No, it's not. It's not really true anymore to what the Phillies do. Um, so, you know, I, I could be in the mix this year, completely dependent upon how he's pitching. Obviously, injuries would have to happen. Um, but there, I think there's a chance he could be up this year. What's next? Oh, Anthony S. Benson. What's happening, brother? Um, are we really sure Montgomery makes him a lot better? Sanchez was good last year and seems pretty sustainable. I think it's important for Sanchez to start game this year. Yeah, so, uh, if they get Jordan Montgomery, I'm still, I'm moving off of Taiwan. Um, I appreciate the, the comments about him working on getting his velocity up. Um, I, you know, and, and I appreciate the 170 70 innings that he threw last year. Um, and you know, I don't think he's gonna be as bad as he was last year, or average as he was last year. You know, he he did pitch a World Baseball Classic. If we're gonna give that excuse to the to the other guys, I think it does count for Taiwan. Fair is fair. Um, 
But I, I'm signing Jordan Montgomery, and then I'd be fi- finding a home for for Tywin Walker. Um, you know, it's interesting. Seems like from you know, kind of what I I've heard, it's not it's not as bad of a contract I think as it's kind of viewed here around the league. Um, you know, innings are valuable. So the question then is like, okay, Jordan Montgomery. That's three straight lefties at the back end. I mean, obviously, you want to get super. If you're super worried about that, you know, I guess you could have Ranger start game two, or you could have Montgomery start game two, Nola game three, and Ranger game four. I guess it comes down to also in the postseason. You know, I think I think Jordan Montgomery, even at South Carolina, um, and when he started coming up with the Yankees, he always just reminded me of Pettit. Uh, and maybe it was the Yankee pinstripe, maybe because I <laughs> more forty seven, um, but just always had that kind of big game feel to him, where never got too high, never got too low. It's kind of how Ranger is, you know. And and Ranger's been really good the last two postseasons. I would love to have a Ranger, you know, um, start to finish kind of solid year, you know, because in the because I think. It's interesting in, in fantasy baseball, and I know it's not like the end-all, be-all, but I play in like pretty competitive leagues. He's always available, and I feel like he's always pretty good. Now, maybe because strikeout-wise, he doesn't exactly pop, um, but you know, he's also been super reliable and super you know good in the postseason. And you're adding another arm in there where maybe they could view it as, okay, well, now we can use Ranger out of the bullpen. But, you know, I think I think going from Taiwan to Jordan Montgomery and it gives you a five of Wheeler, Montgomery, Nola, uh, Ranger, Chris Sanchez. I mean, that's a pretty nasty five. I mean, that's a pretty nasty five. And I would prefer Jordan Montgomery to Snell um, just from the standpoint of the qualifying offer stuff and, and not having a good draft pick. Obviously, if they sign Snell, you know, the upside is pretty stupid you know it's 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 probably a higher upside whereas um Jordan Montgomery raises their floor um but yeah I I in a perfect world I am signing Jordan Montgomery I'm getting off of off of Taiwan um and we'll see if it's it would be for a one or or a two-year deal the nice part about that is if they even go two years you know I mean we could be talking about a rotation heading into next year with Wheeler Montgomery, Nola, Ranger, Painter. <laughs> like, I mean, I did fast forward to 2025 for, for all I care. But um, I don't know. I, I would sign Montgomery and then get off top of Walker. What's next? <laughs> Drew Ballas, uh, Drew in Westchester. Do you think Nola's opening day starter over Wheeler based on contract and precedent? And he does comment that J-Lo and A-Rod was real on the afternoon show today. We did um, celebrity run-ins. run-ins. And apparently Drew is in a uh, 20-team fantasy baseball league, and they're drafting for 10 hours in the Hamptons. And at the end of it, A-Rod and J-Lo walked in, which I'm starting to believe more and more. Well, see, you guys were just delusional by that point because you were looking at draft boards for 10 hours. Um, you know, and it's like, oh my God, there's, there's A-Rod and J-Lo as you're going, you're going crazy looking at like 
picking, I don't know, at that point, the the bottom of the barrel. Um, so, no, I still don't believe the J-Roll, uh, the J-Lo and, and, and A-Rod story. Um, no opening day starter. I think they view that as a, uh, it's, it's a cool thing. To, to set the record for the most amount of opening day starts. I would still do it. I think last year though, I think Wheeler was a little bit slowed up at the end of spring training. So it kind of worked its way out. Um, but ultimately it's not a huge deal. It's kind of cool seeing Nola start every opening day and it certainly beats the Jeremy Hellickson run <laughs> that was like 20, what was that 2014 to 2016? Or 2015 and 2016. Uh, I don't know. Either way, the, the Jeremy Hellickson run was not a again the dark period of Phillies baseball. But eh, I'd give it to Knowles. I'd give it to Knowles. What's next? Matt Alverson, who will be the utility infielder once camp breaks? Scott Kingery is my answer. No. Um, although I did have a dream about Scott, Scott Kingery saving the season. So I think someone was ready for 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 pitchers and catchers. Um, I mean, it'll be Edmundo. And that's good. Like I, I love Edmundo. Um, really good defensive player. Um, made some like weird errors at third base last year. I remember, and it's like, nah, that that can't happen. Um, started to find some pop late. I thought he, I thought at the beginning of the year he was a little bit slow, um, at the plate. But I think he kind of heated up as we as we went along. So I think it'll be Edmundo. If you sign with Merrifield, the nice part is that he can play all over the diamond too and the outfield. Um. So, you know, having, like, again, last year, one of the things that I would have loved to have had heading into the postseason, and it just didn't happen. And by the way, like, I just, I, I can't do the Jake Cave thing again, but he's probably going to be there. Um, but one of the things that, that in the postseason, I feel like they needed was just an experienced bench bat that knows that spot and knows how to, how to perform in those instances. And, and that's where a guy like Whit Merrifield, I think, would come and really help out. Plus, he would become the oldest player in camp. So we don't have to deal with the, the David Buchanan thing. And even Whit Merrifield being 35. When did everyone get so old? When did everyone just decide, hey, we're going to speed this whole thing up? Again, cause I don't think 20, like 2021 to now, I feel like it's the exact same. Like nothing's really changed. It's all it's all the exact same. Like there there hasn't been anything that has happened in the last three years. It's, we're all just in the same spot, except technically getting older. Uh, what's next? Luke, my guy, Luke Arcani. Um, do you think Kirkery needs to throw the sinker more? Sweeper sinker was around an 85-15. I'm surprised it was even 15. I thought it was 95-5 maybe. Um, yeah, I think. You know, the, I, I feel like with Kirkering, I wonder if his fastball just graded out poorly and they're worried about it getting exposed. So they try to throw the slider a ton. Um, like, because traditionally, you know, growing up, it's like, oh, I have 98 in my back pocket. Like, I'm not even going to throw anything else. And as you get older and you get into Major League Baseball, these guys study velocity. 98 is not – it doesn't really matter. Like, frankly, it just doesn't matter if you throw 98. It has to move. You have to dot it. Like, you can't have flat 98 because flat 98 is getting put into the seats. So my hope there with with Kirkering is they figured out something, you know, whether they want to use the Repsoto cameras, uh, slow motion cameras, and maybe figured out, okay, you have 98, but let's try 96 with with some dive to it and get guys off the barrel because he was so, so predictable last year by throwing the slider over and over again. And if you throw that pitch over and over and over again, major league hitters are going to hit it. I also wonder, like, he has 
the mechanics to where I think he could learn a pretty good change up um, to just have something off those pitches. Now we're, we're talking about adding a lot of pitches to a reliever, but if he like, let's say his fastball is something they're afraid of and it's something that he can't find more movement on and it just doesn't work. I, I feel like the change up at least is some kind of equalizer to where we're not just throwing the slider over and over and over and over again. Um, because if he just had something to hide the slider, he's ridiculous. Like, because the slider's really, really good. If he has a change up to hide the fastball at 98, then he can have the fastball surprise people. And, um, I don't know, a, a slider, not a slider, a, a change up or a splitter or something of that, of, of that elk. I think his mechanics lend itself to be able to throw that pitch. Um, it's he has pretty smooth mechanics. It looks like it would come out of his arm pretty well. If he could learn a third pitch, which I know that we traditionally don't ask our relievers to do, but if he could, it'd be it'd be an absolute game changer. So sinker, I hope they figure out something there. If it's still not grading out very well and, and guys are able to square it up, even if it's 98, I would like to see um, either a change up or a splitter. What's next? Ross Shoemate. Does start that 300 this year? I hope so. I mean, he uh, ended last year in the 280s. He was over 300 for a good little stretch there. I mean, he went from 230s his rookie year to up to the to 280s. And if he didn't, like, basically not get a hit the last two weeks of the season, um, he would have been close. So I'll say... I'll say 294 is the floor for Stott. But I more wonder, like, are we going to get a, I don't know, 320 year from Stott one of these years where it's just hitting everything? Um, I wouldn't be, I mean, I think. So someone actually messaged me this the other day because I've been looking for my new David Bell bit because uh, obviously JT Real Muto ended the David Bell bit. Um, but I think O'Doable holds their uh, longest hitting streak, their current longest hitting streak. And I think it's like 21 games. So that's the next thing that, that I would like to come down. So hopefully Stott can, can take that down. I mean, listen, I mean, Rollins had a long streak. Uh, Utley had a, a long streak. Rollins was, you know, through two seasons. So I mean, this doesn't even really count. Um, but I would like to see one of those, like, imagine like, I don't know. Imagine May, June, season starts kind of slowing down, but there's like a, a start, um hit streak going. He can do it. I mean, he can 100% do it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think Stott flirts with 300, and I, I, I just wonder if we're going to get one of those 315, 320 years. Like, if we can get, if we could get Turner to, I don't know, if we can have a, a 295 to 300 Turner, 295 to, to 300 stop. That's pretty damn good. You know, um, I know the sports trending towards lower batting averages. I'm still in the mindset that, that, that batting average does matter. All right. So what do you think? Like two more, two more of these, uh, of these mailbag questions. Um, Colin Hess, do we get a vintage Bryce season with him fully healthy? I would, man, just, just like, I know he won the MVP in 21 and not take it away from him, but it's like, What's like the memorable Bryce moment from that run? I mean, 
like uh, the, the the comeback against the Cubs where he had uh, a hit late and that kind of sealed it for him. The team didn't make the playoffs, you know. Um, it's great. I'm glad he won an MVP when he's in the Hall of Fame. It's going to be great. But like a, a, a peak Harper, can we get a 40-burger from Bryce this year? You know, a 40-burger, 285, 120, but a nice 40-burger home run season from Bryce. Because, listen, we need to get on pace for 500. I mean, he's he's kind of on pace for 500. He should get to 500. Um, I mean, he'll get to 500, right? He's going to get to 500. <laughs> uh, if he doesn't get to 500, something something probably went wrong. But, but, it would be easier if we could knock out like 40 of them this year. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I think he has it in him. I just would love to see what a fully like a, a fully healthy Bryce season does because the last time he did it, he won MVP. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for first base. You know, I can't wait to see his evolution there. Like the fact that again he pretty much learned it on the fly and was really solid over there. Like, you know, for a guy who never played the position, imagine what he can do with an off season over there. And it's gonna be so refreshing. You know, you got plus defender behind the plate. You got a plus defender at first base. You got a plus plus defender at second base. Turner, twenty six errors last year, not great, uh, but uh, you know, hopefully he can just bounce back and not be you know a bad defensive shortstop. You have him there. Uh, Stott or Bohm is still average at best, but Marsh super in left plus plus. Rojas plus 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 in center. And Cassianos fine serviceable like all of a sudden a couple years ago where i was like wow it's the worst defense i've ever seen turns into a pretty good defense so um i can't wait to see a full season of bryce hopefully he can just stay healthy no more freaking inside fastballs that he's turning into and breaking a hand or god forbid a face bone in his whatever like just give me a fully healthy bryce season on our trek to to 500 home runs uh all right doctor last one joseph Samet, does Trout at deadline put us over the top? What a perfect ender. What a perfect ender. Um, Mike, you got one more shot. Simple as that. You know, we're never, I'd, I'd you know, you got one more shot. And if you want to stay in Anaheim, Los Angeles, whatever you want to call it, and, and waste the rest of your career, it's fine. But when the Phils are 10 games over 500 at the deadline, they're competing with the Braves, and you got a chance, right? You got a chance to, to come home and help put this team over the top. Like hopefully you're healthy. Hopefully you're going off. Maybe the Angels are like, oh, we can get so much for him now, whatever. It's right there. It's right there. It's right there. So um, it's a shame we couldn't even get like a little bit out of the trout stuff this, this offseason. Would have been fun. The Angels had to be complete losers and and shut it down from like day one. No fun. I mean, we'll see. I, uh, he probably never asks out, and it'd be a shame. Um, he it might just end his career in Anaheim. But hey, you know, I saw he was down at at Trout National, so maybe he wants to get closer to his uh, get closer to his golf course. I don't know. Um, but man, it would it would be a lot of fun ramping up to the trade deadline, and the Angels are like, listen, we'll listen on Mike Trout. And if the Phillies have a chance to go get them, no idea. But uh, it was certainly fun. Either way, can't believe this was 52 minutes. Um, Tucker, I'm sorry in advance that it was so long. But um, thanks for everyone for chiming in. 
Thanks for all the, the questions. I'm sorry if we did not get to you. Um, but either way, appreciate you hanging out. I know it's a solo pod. I know it's just my voice for 52 minutes. So I'm, I'm sorry in advance for that. But, man, I was just uh, excited to talk Phil's baseball. And hopefully James gets better soon. And we'll be back next week. Or, I mean, God forbid, an emergency pod. I'll be right on here um, doing this solo again because I don't care. It's Phil season. They're back. And uh, all the all the Phillies content throughout the day just couldn't make me happier. So uh, for Tucker Bagley producing behind the, uh, the scenes here and Jack Fritz myself, uh, this has been another edition of the High Hopes Podcast.